This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got Randy Trapp on the program. That's right. Really, really interesting guy. He's the president and CEO of Luxury Resorts West. So this is a company, it's a development company. They focus on luxury resorts right across Canada. They've built over 100, sorry, I think it's 100 million uh, worth of uh, That's right. real estate. I think it's 100 million. Yeah, yeah, over 100 million, 110 million. Well over 100 million. Um, and now they're focused on BC and areas like Parksville and Radiant Hot Springs. Um, really, really interesting company. Super interesting projects. Yeah. A uh, lot to learn. And and yeah, you know what? Randy's interesting for a few reasons. One, he's just a super smart guy. Two, really interesting uh, investment potential in both these projects, I think. Uh, because there's a huge market for these baby boomers. I think that's really the exciting part is so many people are moving to BC from Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Snowbirds. The snowbirds. And and you know what? There's With the snowbirds come investment opportunities. And third, Parksville is the one project that they had that was in an area that the BC speculation tax applies. So right. we talked to Randy about the impact of that tax immediately, and it was immediate. And, it's immediate. And it was like drastic. the tap turned right I mean, off, I, right? I think, and this is just one part of the interview where he says basically that the project, they killed the project. Yeah. Now, Parksville has been, it's now not excluded. part of, yeah, yeah, it's excluded that area. 
Um, but, you know, the impact is there. And Randy really is good at detailing the on-the-ground impacts for not only for developers and builders, but, you know, lumber yards, uh, gas stations. It really puts into focus that, you know, we're sitting here in Vancouver, but these communities like Parksville are small communities and they rely on these tourist dollars. And, and this policy is really impacting these communities in negative ways. Totally, totally. And so, it's yeah, it's a really interesting take on the speculation tax, one that uh, probably hasn't been told. So stick around for that super interesting interview with Randy. But before we get to that, Matt, we are celebrating uh, 150 reviews. We are celebrating. Yeah, you, you just took a giant swig of your Nutrell, your 5% <laughs> vodka soda drink. That it's a vodka soda in, citron drink. That, that you found in the back of my, deep, deep in the back oh, of my on. fridge. Uh, this was at the front of your fridge, but I've never tried one of these. These are... Uh, yeah, wildly unsatisfying uh, vodka soda drink. But drinks. it's the drink of the summer. And Apparently. Uh, Sabrina's all over it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, well, yeah, it's thanks for this. Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see the air quotes. But uh, anyways. But we're, we're, all... we're celebrating for sure because we, we just got our 150th review, uh, a guy named Vince. And there's an interesting story with Vince. Vince is an interesting guy. Yeah, he's, uh, he's an agent in Vancouver. But um, funny enough, I was actually coming back from a listing presentation. Uh, we got a new listing coming up in East Vancouver. I was t- it was on the elevator. And he actually mentions this in his review. But uh, I ran into Vince and a buddy of his, um, you know, stylish guys, probably in their mid-20s. Yeah, well, you actually mentioned this to me about a week before the review hit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my recollection was it was like 7.38 at night. You were still working. You got onto the elevator. It's two cool looking guys headed out for the night. Uh, I didn't feel that cool. I you, felt like you were, they were... You were a little uh, intimidated. It was a nerd they alert. Seemed to be, they seemed to be... <laughs> notioning something about you you felt a little bit uncomfortable felt like they were gonna yeah potentially ask me to get off the elevator <laughs> but it, then it turns out they approached you yeah no and then and he said told it, you to get off yeah <laughs> no he said he was uh said he was a fan of the podcast so uh yeah i really appreciated that it was uh nice they they looked like they were having a, a great about to have a good night out and uh what did i do i'm trying to think i think i came home I made think it a, was buffy the vampire slayer night <laughs> Yeah, actually, it was um, it was a Boy Meets World night at my house. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, thanks, but, Vince, for yeah, the review. Yeah. <laughs> Vampire Slayer, that's a wow, that's an odd throwback. Um, I never liked that though. Yeah, okay, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, we get it, we get it. <laughs> Not my neutrals. <laughs> Anyways, we got a fantastic, fantastic interview with Randy Trapp. I'm super excited for this one. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Randy Trapp, President and CEO of Luxury Resorts West. How are you doing, Randy? Hey, I'm great. How are you, fellas? Good, good. Thanks for taking the time today, Randy. No worries. Yeah, so Randy, can you maybe start by telling our listenership just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I've been involved in the uh, in the uh, construction, development, sales, and management of uh, resort real estate uh, and resort real estate rentals for I guess about 14 years now. Um, prior to that, I had experience in uh, commercial and retail construction. And uh, I'm married. I have two kids. And uh, I live in beautiful Radium Hot Springs, British Columbia, uh, which is a, a pretty nice resort destination. And, uh, you know, we I really, really enjoy what I do. I really enjoy the product that we build and, uh, and our, I enjoy interacting with our customers. 
one of the nice things about being in the resort business is uh, most of the time when you're interacting with uh, one of your customers or your guests, they're here and they're having a good time. And, and that, that certainly does make the workday uh, a lot more pleasant. Yeah, they're relaxed, I'd imagine. For sure. A little different than, than our line of work. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. However, I do have days, well, you know. <laughs> right. well, Randy, can you speak a little bit about what attracted you to, to get into the luxury resort market? Well, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting question because I actually started, uh, I started this, this journey uh, as a customer. Um, my wife and I had a vacation property in, uh, the Columbia Valley. Uh, we at that time lived in Edmonton. And, uh, one of the things that we did with our vacation property when we weren't using it was we made it available for short-term, uh, vacation rental. So I got to know the, uh, one of the principals of the, uh, rental company that we used to rent out our property. And, uh, over time, uh, we, uh, developed a pretty good relationship. And uh, his company was was starting construction of a project uh, actually here in Radium Hot Springs, and uh, I I went to work for him and did some consulting work for him, and uh, eventually we became partners, and uh, our company grew from there. So that was back I guess in 2005, and uh, since then uh, we've taken that business. Uh, we've built uh, we've built three different resorts. Uh, and we manage a total of eight properties throughout British Columbia. And uh, now we're in the uh, fishing lodge business, and we're, we manage a couple of golf courses, and uh, and we're continuing to uh, build and develop in uh, beautiful places in our beautiful province. So can you maybe explain exactly what these resorts are? So are, are they strata? Do people people own in these resorts? So I guess... Yeah, I mean the easiest way to explain it by definition they're they're mixed use resorts, um, and and you're right uh, insofar as they're they're stratified properties. Um, they are a mix of uh, of uh, multi-story, higher density condominiums and uh, townhouse configurations, and our customers uh, buy them just like you would a condominium in downtown Vancouver. <clears throat> but the big difference is. Uh, all of our resorts have on-site uh, have an on-site management company that looks after everything from short-term vacation rentals to maintenance and repairs on on the buildings, whether they're inside or outside, at the customer's request. Uh, we've got concierge service on site. Uh, we can book all of your activities for you. Uh, if you're coming to your place uh, for the weekend, you can phone us on a Friday morning, and by the time you get there Friday afternoon. We'll have all the groceries in your refrigerator and you're ready to go. So really, it's sort of a hybrid model of of owning a vacation home, but with all of the service and amenities you'd expect if you went to a resort destination. And a lot of our customers really, really like that. And so we recently sold a property in in Whistler where there was a, a certain number of days that the owner could use it, but the rest of the year it was in a rental pool. Is that kind of the situation, or are there people that you aren't renting it out and using it exclusively for for their use on the weekends or for a couple months a year? So yeah, our model is 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 more I guess owner focused than than our hospitality business focused insofar as. We look at it this way. If you buy a townhouse or a condominium from us, 
you should be able to use it any way you want. And there's no obligation to make your unit available for rent. So, you know, we, we have a number of owners who, who own a condominium or a townhome with us, and, and they don't participate in the rental program at all. Uh, we've got other owners who uh, are really, really active in our rental program. So, really, we let the customer be the customer and use his property the way he wants to use it. Wow. So, just just out of curiosity, you, you mentioned, um, you, it sounds like you guys are, are very service-focused, uh, each each resort. Um, is, is this something that is, is it all included in your strata fee, or are there a la carte services? So, we, like any stratified property, uh, we have a your, your regular sort of strata board uh, that's elected, and, and the council is made up of, of owners, and it just looks and operates and functions like a normal strata corporation. Um, and, you know, you used a very interesting term, a la carte. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you would like us to do uh, extra things for you, if you want housekeeping service, we'll do that. And we've got a set rate for that. Everybody knows what it's going to cost. If you want us to book our your activities, we can do that. That's at your cost. Um, if you don't want to do anything beyond pay your strata fees and enjoy the, the, the quietness of the destination, Hey, you're welcome to do that too. Interesting. So, so maybe Randy, maybe we'll back up a little bit because a lot of our, our listeners are kind of very focused on, on Vancouver. Can you just speak a little bit to how the recreational property market more generally in BC has performed over the last five, seven, ten years? Well, you know, we've, as you well uh, well know, I mean, we've had uh, some interesting undulations and fluctua- fluctuations in the real estate market over the past decade. Um, we always have to be mindful, particularly with our product, that um, second homes or recreational properties are a discretionary spend item. They're something that nobody has to buy. So when the market is good and consumer confidence is high, uh, our business is very, very active and very good. When consumer confidence is down or the economy is sluggish, we're one of the first things that people stop looking at. Um, generally speaking, uh, British Columbia is a very desirable destination. Uh, we operate in a number of different markets in British Columbia with a number of different uh, climates, I guess, for lack of a better description. Um, so our traffic is is sort of uh, dictated by, um, you know, what's attractive in in that particular area. For example, our project uh, on Vancouver Island in Parksville, we've got two very distinct groups of owners there. We've got your traditional uh, summertime uh, beach goers, uh, but we also have a unique segment of the market uh, that is really uh, snowbird folks. We've got a lot of owners in Parksville uh, that are from not only Alberta, but British Columbia and Manitoba who like to come out to Parksville, um, you know, late in the fall, say late October, early November. They'll spend their winter there and they'll head back home uh, in March and then they'll make their property available in the summertime. Uh, we've got owners that are sort of the, the flip side of that who want to really be there in the summertime and they make their property available for rent in the wintertime for the snowbird traffic. Uh, so, you know, that that's sort of been a unique sort of niche market that 
that we're really focused on. Uh, generally speaking, I mean, our business has been has been good. Uh, we uh, we deliver, in my opinion, a quality product um, that is of good value. And I think regardless of economic conditions, uh, people recognize and appreciate that. And one of the unique things about how we operate our business is once we sell uh, a, a second home to an owner, that's not the end of our relationship. That's the beginning because we also own the property management company and the hospitality company that's on site. So, you know, I see my customers uh, from 10 years ago on a very regular basis when I'm on the various properties. And, you know, that, that imparts on us uh, an obligation to number one, manage expectations during the sales process. And number two, and probably most importantly is, is deliver on all our promises and we have to keep delivering on those promises for years to come. And our customers recognize and appreciate that. That's yeah. I was just gonna. I was just thinking about that. There's a there's a developer I was talking to in Vancouver who purchased one of the units in his own development, and it's that same kind of idea where you're held accountable for sure if you're going to be seeing the people that you sold into your project, right? Um, so you can you can imagine uh, that that uh, you want to make sure that you've dotted all your I's and crossed your T's for sure. That's right. I mean, it it uh, it keeps us uh, sharp and on our game. And uh, every day we need to make sure that we do the best that we can because our customers, like every customer, will hold us accountable. The difference is we see them every, you know, every week. Or every week. <laughs> for better and, or for worse. <laughs> and they're truly not shy and they're not afraid to approach and have a conversation with us, so, which is good. Right, right. So, Randy, so um, you, you talked a little bit about Snowbirds. What, what's driving the recreational property right now? Who are who are the buyers? Is it is it just snowbirds, or is it uh, is there a larger group in general? Or there, there, you know, like I say, there there's a number of different segments of the market, and I guess if you looked at at who our customers are, uh, I, I could put them into sort of three categories. Uh, number one, I call them the uh, active pre senior. Uh, empty nesters. And, and that's that group, uh, you know, as empty nesters, by definition, are, are folks that had families, the families have grown and they've, they've moved out of the house. These folks are normally speaking, you know, it's sort of in their early 50s, uh, but uh, very, very active. I mean, these are folks that mountain bike and cross country ski and golf and, and hang glide and, and, and do all sorts of, of things that, uh, that uh, you know, are very youthful in nature. And, you know, because of the location of a lot of our properties, it really does provide an environment for them to go have fun and, and do their thing. They also like to spend time with their extended family, whether it's their kids and in some cases grandkids. And, uh, you know, one of the benefits of, of our properties is, for example, if uh, somebody owned a two-bedroom unit and they wanted to have uh, their kids and their grandkids out, well, you know, they, they can probably rent their unit next door to theirs and have a, a genuine family gathering without having to own, say, a five-bedroom home. They really like our, our properties. The other group that we deal with uh, are sort of the the, uh, the young aspirational family folks. Uh, I would uh, age-wise categorize them as, say, 35 to 45. They, may, they might have one or two children. 
their children may be sort of, you know, right from uh, young children, say four or five years old, right up into their mid-teens. Um, they like the ability to come out here and, and the parents can, you know, to a certain extent do their own thing. And, and we've got lots of amenities and things on site where the kids can do their thing uh, and have a great time. And then the third group uh, being the snowbird, the snowbird folks. And they're very interesting people. Um, you know, they, they want to go somewhere a little nicer in the wintertime. So, I mean, if you're in the middle of Saskatchewan or Manitoba in January and it's 30 or 40 below and there's quite a bit of snow outside your house, Parksville's a pretty nice environment. You know, it might be plus eight or plus 10 and they might be able to play golf. They like that they have the ability to drive there and with their own car. They like that they're still in Canada. They like that they still have the benefits of their health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it's really, really appealing to them. And, you know, uh, in Parksville in particular, uh, we've developed almost a snowbird community there where it's the same 25 or 30 couples that come every winter and they all know each other and they have their little wine and cheese party on Wednesday nights and Tuesdays are golf day and, and Thursdays they go play cards and they, it's really, really cool. Uh, and I've attended a number of those functions, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, they may be chronologically old, but quite frankly, I have trouble keeping up with them. <laughs> so, so, Randy, uh, obviously, every every unit is is unique, and and every project's different. But can you speak a little bit, even just in vague terms, about the price points for for these projects? Sure, I can speak a little more specifically for that. Okay. Let's talk about let's talk about Parkville because that's probably something that uh, your listeners are familiar with. Um, we have a, a ten acre property in Parksville along Resort Drive. Uh, it uh, it it fronts on Resort Drive on one end, and the other end we have uh, beach frontage right onto Craig Bay. We have forty two uh, condominium style units built at that location. Uh, we also have a lodge that has meeting rooms and owner's lounge. Uh, we've got a swimming pool. We've got a fitness facility. and We've got a couple of um, year-round spa facilities uh, that the folks can enjoy. Um, you know, our, we're into our, we're about to start construction on our next phase, and we're going to a townhouse configuration. There'll be approximately 1,100 square feet, two bedrooms, two bathrooms. Um, ground level entrance, ground level patio, and we're going to start those at uh, four hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars for whole ownership. And just out of curiosity, that that townhome you're you're thinking about, if because we have a lot of investors listening, what what type of income do you think that would generate if if you just had it rented? Well, you know, the the income that's generated by one of those properties is always relative. To the amount of time the owner uses it himself. Um, we've got two bedroom units, for example, at that location, which is currently under construction, that generate uh, somewhere north of $20,000 a year in, in rental revenue. And in that particular case, the owner does utilize the space for a portion of the year. Some owners, uh, some owners are very conscientious of, of what their usage is, uh, and they really focus on trying to keep prime time available uh, for rent. Um, you know, if 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 you're the type of owner that wants to come out there every weekend and at Christmas time and Easter and 
uh, in the primetime summer months and not make that time available for renting your unit, well, you're probably not going to enjoy as much uh, rental revenue as, as the individual who makes sure that the long weekends are available for rent in the holidays in the primetime in the summer. Yeah, of course. But yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's not unrealistic to see twenty twenty one thousand dollars in in rental revenue. Great, great. So, Randy, um, so if if uh, it sounds like these communities with the three groups that you talked about of of potential buyers, what types of properties are are most popular? It sounds like you've got a townhouse configuration in in the project you're discussing. Is that right? Yeah. So you know, uh, things that are popular change over time, and you know, if I looked at our original vision back fifteen years ago. At that time, it was uh, it was it was pretty spectacular, and uh, we thought it was very appealing. At that time, we were building uh, three and four story buildings. They were sixteen and eighteen plexes, and we had a mix of one bedrooms, two bedrooms, and three bedroom apartment style condos, uh, elevators and stairs, and so on. Uh, what we found over time was was just about every other developer you know, in Western Canada was, was building that sort of a configuration. So we've made the, the change and we've, we've gone to a different, a different layout on the site. And we found the duplexes, we call them townhomes seem to really be getting traction in the market and seem to have appeal to folks um, who may be condominium owners in their hometown. And, and when they go away on vacation, they want to have something a little different. Uh, we've, We've gone to that style of construction uh, in Radium Hot Springs. Um, they're getting great traction in the market. They're well received, and they're selling well. Uh, we're, you know, we're pre-selling into our twelfth phase now in Radium, and uh, and uh, if we could build them faster, uh, we'd sell them faster. <laughs> That's always a way. <laughs> So that's actually a, a interesting point because uh, we were really keen to talk to you about about the speculation tax. Uh, how has uh, the speculation tax that was announced, um, kind of in vague terms, in February impacted your market? Well, you know, I I'm I'm probably a good guy to talk to because I have a project that is in Radium Hot Springs, for example, that was not identified as an area that would be subject to the speculation tax. At the time it was announced, we also had a project in Parksville that was part of the uh, regional district of Nanaimo, which initially the entire uh, RDN was going to be subject to that tax. I can tell you that 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 speculation tax uh, that would have been applicable to our Parksville project would have stopped the project. Um, you know, it's a unique situation we have in Parksville insofar as our, our resort in Parksville is located along Resort Drive and it's zoned, uh, tourist commercial. And along with that zoning comes a bylaw that says that you're not permitted to occupy those units, uh, for more than 180 days per year. If the spirit of what they were trying to accomplish uh, with the speculation tax was to uh, make more housing stock available to the market, there's no possible way that our our product in Parksville uh, would be available for long-term rental because there's a bylaw that pro- prohibits that. Um, so I was pretty active uh, along with the mayor of Parksville. Um, 
the MLA for Parksville Qualicum, uh, and a number of other people in the business community uh, to to make clear to the finance minister that uh, this was a bit of a conundrum that was created specifically in that area in Parksville. Um, fortunately, uh, I had a number of round I participated in a number of roundtable discussions. Uh, one in particular that included the uh, NDP caucus chair uh, Leonard Krog, who's the MLA in uh, Nanaimo, and I think that message got through to the finance minister, and uh, and uh, she clarified uh, with some language, I guess, uh, late in the month of. Uh, of March that uh, Parksville and Qualicum uh, would not be subject to that tax. Having said that, um, naturally, the, based on the fact that we sell second homes and resort real estate, the, the customers that we sell to don't live in the area that we operate in. They're from somewhere else. That's why they buy a second home. And I think the level of awareness out there, uh, not only among people who live in BC, but, you know, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, I think the impression is if you own a second home in B.C., you're subject to the speculation tax. And I think that that, that in itself frightens a lot of people off. Uh, we're happy to explain how the proposed legislation will work to them, but that's assuming we have the opportunity to talk to them in the first place. Right. So, so then, Randy. So, in in that same vein, has this hurt sales um, on your most recent project, or has that added added uh, basically more pressure, added more buyers looking for for Parksville Qualcomm? Well, I think you know we. Uh, I'll tell you. Let's get a little more specific about Parksville. I mean, we as prudent builders, we always want to reach a, a pre sale threshold before we commence construction. Uh, just before the uh, just before the uh, the tax was announced, um, we had reached that threshold, and I can tell you, within seventy two hours, we lost fifty percent of our deals. Wow! So Oof. that that was that was somewhat devastating to us. Um, <clears throat> now, subsequently after that, um, you know, as the minister clarified the application geographically of the tax, we've been able to recover some, but not all of those deals. There still seems to be a little bit of hesitation among people who are looking at a second home in British Columbia, period. So just to clarify, Randy, so are these people that had deposits in under contract, or were these people in the rescission period? Uh, these people were in the rescission period. I mean, they were they were within their, in their right to cancel. And, and quite frankly, um, you know, if if we've got a customer and we have a deposit and we have what you might define as a bankable contract with that customer, and that customer wants to cancel, we'll let them cancel. But they have a real genuine bona fide reason for wanting to cancel. We're not here to win an argument to gain a customer. Mm-hmm. Wow, that must have been a stressful time for you. <laughs> Sounds of things you probably lost a couple. Of years. Thank God you spend most of your time on a resort because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise. Well, you know, it was it was certainly interesting. Um, you know, uh, I always try to empathize with the customer and put myself in his shoes and understand his side of the coin and, and say, you know, what was what would I do if I was that customer? 
I mean, we had customers with five and eight thousand dollar deposits on pre-sales that, quite frankly, were willing to walk away from those deposits. Right. And I understand it, you know, because and and the customer just. Well, I had one customer that said point blank, "Listen, if I walk away from a five thousand dollar deposit, that's actually what I'm going to end up paying every year under this speculation tax." So I'm money ahead to cut my loss right now. Yeah, yeah, and and there's no telling what happens to the market, right? That, that would be my concern as well. That's right. But you know, one of the one of the things, uh, just on that on that note, I mean, one of the things that we're experiencing in the East Kootenay in particular, uh, in the in the radium area, is uh, you know, ninety two percent of our customers, be they rental customers or or uh, real estate customers. Are, are from Alberta just because of our proximity to Alberta, um, and, and they're not really too happy with British Columbia as a province right now, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're still under the impression that the speculation tax applies to this area, which it doesn't. So it's you know it's a bit of a challenge to get that message out, and then it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, to you know, if if those customers are receptive to that message and will engage in a conversation, it's a bit of a challenge to have a conversation with them, and and for them to have a lot, any confidence or a high enough level of confidence in our current political situation in British Columbia to invest in this province. Uh, well, I was just going to say the the concern there, obviously, and you, you've alluded to it, is is the lack of certainty, right? Like, I mean, the the speculation Absolutely. tax was announced. It's now been changed. Parksville is part of it. Now it's not part of it. Um, yeah. I would be hesitant to be investing anywhere uh, yeah. if you're from outside the province. Well, for sure. And, it's you know, it's a challenge. And, and, and again, as I alluded to when we, we started our conversation today, this is a discretionary spend item. Nobody has to buy it. Mm-hmm. So if you're uncertain about it and you don't actually have to buy it, you just don't. Hmm. So stepping back, Randy, and I think we've got a good sense of it here, but in terms of just your overall impression of of the speculation tax, I mean, from a policy perspective, is this is this good policy or meaningful policy in, in any way? I think the intention is good. Um, I think, I think that, uh, you know, we, for example, we employ a lot of employees in our operations. We probably get about 250 employees during peak season that work directly for us. And a lot of those jobs are entry level jobs or, or sort of, sort of mid-level pay jobs. And, and we're always concerned that those people will have affordable housing where we do business because, that's very important to their lives, and and that also uh, allows us to keep them as employees for a long time. So I think there is a need to address that issue. I guess philosophically, I'm not in favor of um, of controlling a free market by rest- by by restricting demand. I'm more of a supply side guy, and you know if you just sort of back the back the train up here a little bit. I think one of the challenges that we have uh, in the development business is, is, is the process of development and the time that it takes. You know, if, if I was going to build a 12plex, for example, somewhere, and I bought a $3 million piece of property, 
And then I started my development permit process and, and all of the requirements by the various municipalities uh, in most places in British Columbia. I've got about a 21-month process there before I get a development permit in place. And then I got to put it out to tender. Then I got to get a building permit. And my building permit might take me another 12 weeks, so that's another three months. And all of a sudden, I've got $3 million tied up in raw land for development. And I've chewed up two and a half years of my time. And I got $3 million for the dead money for two and a half years. Well, time over money and then operating costs and holding costs, et cetera, et cetera, for those 12 units. All of a sudden, I've added $30,000 a door just in holding costs. You know, if there's a way we could streamline that process to be more reactionary to the market and get the product delivered in a more timely fashion, I think we'd have a better chance of, of addressing these issues <clears throat> that uh, that have brought us to the point where uh, we, we have a, a housing affordability problem. And I think fundamentally, if the government would focus more on that side of it, than trying to devalue people's property and penalize uh, specific property owners. I think, number one, they'd have a lot more success with it. Number two, they'd be able to address the problem quicker. And number three, they wouldn't offend a lot of people and scare them off. I mean, if the goal of this program is to make housing affordable, I mean, there's only a, a few ways that you can do that. One is through interest rates, and the other is through the price of housing. So if you think it through, is the goal really here to develop or to devalue residential real estate? Because I don't really think that that serves the purpose. I guess there's a few examples of that. I mean, if I was a, if, you know, if, if, I was a young fella and I just got married and I saved up my $35,000 for a down payment on my $350,000 condo in Victoria. And I've got a government program in place whose focus is to devalue real estate. Would I really be keen on putting my $35,000 down on my $350,000 condo, having a $315,000 mortgage and a government program whose objective is to make my condo worth $250,000 next year? I don't know if I'd be really excited about making that purchase. I'm, I'm, we're, we're thinking about everybody that's bought in the last two or three years, right? Who scraped together a down payment to, to get into the market mm-hmm. thinking that it was going to get away from them, right? Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of folks who did that. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. You know, and, the, and the, second, the second side of that, from a developer's point of view, am I really excited about investing in developable land, going through a two-year process, to build a product based on a performer that I did when I bought the land in the first place, knowing that there's a government program in place that's going to devalue my end product, but we don't know how much, which means my performer that I did when I bought the land in the first place is is invalid. I probably wouldn't buy that land and make you know stick my neck out and and do that development. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't really see a win here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are, just out of curiosity and talking about policy, has the foreign buyer tax played a, a role? It, like, were, were you seeing a lot of foreign buyers? 
I'm thinking yeah, maybe no. um, the fishing resort would would stand out in my mind as maybe a place for the Americans to uh, to invest. No, we don't. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Uh, we don't actively market in the United States. We don't actively market outside of Canada. Uh, consequently, we don't. We don't have a lot of out of non-Canadian owners. We don't. Like we might have two or three out of maybe eighteen hundred. So it's it's not a big part of our business. Hmm. That's surprising because you'd think, man, if I was living in Washington State, I'd be looking at Parksville with the Canadian dollar as a very attractive place to be. And well, interesting enough, like I, I think I would imagine that you get a lot of people that perhaps uh, because of health insurance or just health concerns in general uh, don't want to go to you know Scottsdale, Arizona, or Palm Springs, and and but still want to be somewhere warm. You're almost you're almost acting. I, I would imagine a lot of your market is people that just want to avoid going down to the U.S. instead. Yeah, that's 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 a large part of it for sure. But uh, you know, there are developments. Uh, I mean, there's there's a development in East Souk. Um, it's a pretty substantial one, and I'm sorry the name of it escapes me right now. But I, I know when the when the tax was announced for uh, the capital region, uh, the capital region uh, that sort of geographical boundaries included his development. And I think, you know, the majority of his buyers, quite frankly, were uh, were American buyers, and it was devastating for him. It was just just an awful thing. Uh, now, subsequently, they excluded that area in East Souk uh, from the speculation tax uh, and the foreign buyers tax. So, yeah, I mean, that worked out well for him. Uh, but we weren't really in that boat. We really don't. Uh, really don't market to uh, non-Canadian buyers. We don't, subsequently, we don't have a lot of non-Canadian owners, so it wasn't an issue. Randy, d- just thinking about the meetings you had when Parksville was part of the, the speculation tax with uh, uh, some of the NDP caucus, I mean, we talked to a lot of folks involved in the development community, and a lot of people are, are really... Um, worried about the future of of the market here in British Columbia. Did you get a sense in those meetings? Like, is there a sense of urgency there? Is there any fear that these guys are kind of flying blind? Like, are, what were, was you, was your takeaway? Like these guys are on board, they understand, you know, you, that you have 250 employees at your place that are potentially out of work if, if things go totally south here? Well, I, I think, you know, that was my, that was the message from our organization was, you know, we we have to realize that that our product is is more than just conventional real estate. Our product um, facilitates tourism traffic, uh, and uh, you know provides a stable base that uh, comes and spends money in Parksville and all of the ancillary businesses that are related to tourism. Whether it's you know the restaurant down the road or the gas station or the grocery store or you know the activity providers in the area. Um, and if you look at Parksville in particular, Parksville's Parksville's a tourist town. Forty percent of their economy is is tourism based. Hundred and thirty million dollars a year is tourist related activities. Um, quite frankly, a project like ours, uh, uh, if we tried to market it as a you know a conventional residential project, uh, we we probably wouldn't build it that way. You know, it's a purpose-built project for vacation and recreation use. And any time you get that kind of an anchor in your tourist city, uh, it, it automatically draws traffic. And that traffic can be, 
you know, short-term renters, or it can be the owners of that recreational property. Because quite frankly, the thing we need to realize is whether you're a short-term renter at a resort or you're an owner at that resort, you behave and spend your money pretty much the same way. And that's critical for that economy. Um, you know, one of the things that we always make a point of doing is when we're doing a project in a specific location, uh, number one, we want to be good neighbors. Number two, we, we want to employ tradespeople for the construction of that project that are local tradespeople. Um, we have a good sense of community. Uh, we're going to be there for another 50 years managing that facility. So, so we want to be a part of that community. And, you know, the other thing that we found is if you employ a local tradesperson to build something, generally speaking, they take a little bit more pride in it uh, versus a tradesperson that might come from another town or another city. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, in those roundtable discussions that we had, you know, there was, we were were a developer and and represented the interests of our project. Uh, There were construction people there. There were tourism people there. There were hospitality people there. There were food and beverage people there. Uh, there were guys that uh, that owned uh, lumber yards there. Um, you know, there were transportation people there, and 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 so really, it it, it really illustrated to me, and I hope to the uh, NDP representative that attended, that you know putting a speculation in tax in place on a second residence or a resort property actually has a negative impact on the guy that runs the gas station and the grocery store and the restaurant yeah. and any golf boots and all, 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 that, all that sort of things. And, and the ripple out effect is, is critical. And I, I think it's unfortunate that the, uh, the government uh, really didn't take the time to, to truly understand the effects in various communities that something like this would have. So, so uh, Randy, maybe just as a final question, where do you see the future of this industry moving? Are you still bullish long term? I'm still bullish long term. Um, I think you know we've got a couple of speed bumps here. Uh, we need some crystal clear clarity on the uh, speculation tax, which I think is is poorly named. But anyway, um, I think we need to uh, we need to resolve our disagreements with uh, our, our very important feature market, uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, with respect to uh, the pipeline issue. Um, I I think once that's uh, ironed out and uh, we can get back to the business of business instead of the business of politics, I think we're going to be fine. Folks are always going to want to take a vacation. British Columbia is a beautiful place to take a vacation. British Columbia is a fantastic place to own a second home or resort property. And I think over time that'll that'll work itself out. I'm looking across at Matt right now, and he looks like he needs a vacation. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if he actually does. He just looks like it. I do. <laughs> we, we, have, we have people that can help him out with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Randy, how how can people find out more about what you do and uh, and about some of your projects? Well, probably the best thing to do is uh, visit our website www.luxuryresortswest.com. Um, and if they're uh, interested in specifically in the Parksville project, they can find us at uh, www.sunriseresortparksvillelimited.com. Okay. 
or uh, our radium project is uh, www.bighornmeadows.ca. Perfect. And we'll actually link to that in our show notes as well. That'd be great. Yeah, thanks thanks so much for your time, Randy. That was a that was a fascinating discussion. It's it's funny we've had uh academics on uh talking about the speculation tax, but it's really good to get a guy who's on the ground here and can really kind of outline uh how dramatic it really is. So thanks so much for that. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate uh, your time today and I enjoy talking with you as well. Okay, have a great day. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Randy Trapp, CEO and founder of Luxury Resorts West. Super interesting conversation with Randy. Um, really interesting to get like an on-the-ground take of the speculation tax. Absolutely. And also how that's impacting not only the uh, luxury resort market, but also just uh, people that have secondary homes and in the local economies that support that tourism, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I really do believe we got a twofer there. We got that kind of on-the-ground policy take. We also heard about a couple projects that are really interesting. I mean, we have family that's recently moved to BC. This, this, Those projects really check the boxes, and especially for baby boomers, you know, who are looking to travel, that just seems like Yeah, like young, motivated, aspirational, uh, you know, dinks out there that want a, a secondary home. For sure. You uh, better, you, that term's not dual, as, dual as common in, as it Dual was income, once. no kids. Right. Dual, dual income, income, no kids. kids. Right. You should always, it's weird. It's it's the it's the acronym that you have to always say the full thing right after it. Right? <laughs> it's actually not very useful. It's not. That it's acronym not, is not, not a useful. useful acronym for sure. But Matt, we have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We do. The best resource out there. Go check it out. Uh, it's online. It's got Phenomenal resources such as? Well, it's got the newsroom where we're updating Vancouver real estate news, some original, some not, every day, basically on the hour, every couple hours, there's new real estate news stories. It's basically your one-stop shop for that. We also have our research tools. We've got private client services. Matt, if you're not using private client services, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. It's the best resource out there. You get listings 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. You also get sold prices. You get days on market. It's basically realtor-level information, and it's free. That's absolutely right. So if you click the button research tools, you get PCS. We also have a mobile app. If you want everything Adam just said, but you're on the go, riding the SkyTrain, in the doctor's office, whatever. Doing a wheelie on your motorcycle. Whatever you're doing, if you want to look at real estate on your phone, this is the app for you. It also has augmented reality, which we used to joke about. I actually use it quite Quite do you, frequently. Do you use it a lot? I literally use it all the time now. It's kind of, it's a neat idea. I, I don't use it, but you can basically point at a, at, at, at a building. You can basically point at a building downtown or wherever you are, and it will show you if there's any listings. Yeah, in that and building. like I said before, buildings, houses. There's a, I was walking down garden, there's a house for sale. What's the price? Bam. Right oh, there. interesting. So yeah. that's how you're using it. No, it's, yeah, I walk a dog a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, anyway, well, hey. Maybe I'm going to head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I'm convinced. We also have the Live Wire. The Live Wire. Yeah, you got Deal of the Month on the Live Wire. It's going to be out. It's the it's the deal that we're kind of shocked. Like, wow, this is this is an opportunity for somebody. I got to say, there's some deals out there right now. There are some phenomenal deals. Look at the West Side. Good lord. And also, just a reminder that we did talk about having 150 reviews. 
the next big hurdle is going to be 200 reviews that we're going for. So I'm tired even thinking about it. Yeah. If you, if you like listening to the podcast, one of the best compliments you can give us is to give us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast or just even on Google. Yeah. Which where we are, please do. Uh, feel free to reach out or to give us a to give us a review. That's how we grow this thing. Yeah. And also, uh, if you're not going to give us a review, get in touch. Absolutely. We want to hear from you as well. Give me a shout seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast dot com. I'm always around and love to hear from you. Or Adam? you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast dot com. Or you can try the nonpartisan line, info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Okay, guys, have a great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.